welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Tarek. Pay attention, motherfuckers. And Garrett. What's up? And tonight we have a special guest for the uh, topic we'll be uh, talking shit about for an extended period of time. Johan Kemp, the king of the Good Island. evening, everybody. <coughs> you went uh, straight Tarek. there. You went straight there. He told me not to, but I went fuck it. So, <laughs> on this show, you can't just imply the joke. You can make it too. <laughs> yeah, Johan said we can't call him the king of the arrows, so we shall refer to him as the artist previously known as the king of the arrows. <laughs> Fair enough. That's gonna be that's gonna be great fun. Uh, before we roll into the uh, topic, the topic will be PCC Nationals. Apparently, the match that happened not the past weekend, the weekend before, when you listen to this, was a spectacular match with really cool stuff that was actually shooting PCCs as opposed to shooting rifles on a pistol match. So kind of exciting. We're going to have a little bit of talk to that, uh, to Johan and T about that. Did, did you shoot it, Johan, or were you just the range master for this? No, unfortunately, this one I couldn't shoot. I was just range mastering this one. Uh, well, I was assistant range master with Belinda as the range master, but I worked both the pre and the main match. Okay, so yeah. you were both in attendance, but you didn't both shoot. I shot yeah, it. Yeah. Badly, but I shot it. But you shot it. So before we roll into that, uh, special thanks to Zero Mike Bullets, uh, proud sponsor of the show. You guys know the drill. Website's up, bullets available, multiple different calibers, multiple different weights in some of those calibers. And if you would like a discount code, please hit Gaz up directly for that. For Drill of the Month, thank you to Zero Mike Bullets again for the 1,000 bullets that they're sponsoring for the draw. Flatback Alpha for the swinger and the target stand that they've thrown in and then shooting stuff for the offer of visiting their range. 15 minutes in and out, use of a timer and target available. Shoot the drill, submit it. Awesome deal. And by the time you listen to this, we will have announced the September Drill of the Month. As soon as Charles stops asking for it, right? Well, yeah, pretty much. The drill of the month will be available when Charles stops asking T for the drill of the month. A um, couple of more things I would like to mention. Uh, we obviously need to mention Guns at Work for making sure that the uh, the Welcome to Gun Show logos will be on all the team shirts for the upcoming level for Ford EG PSA. Thank I you guys. I saw some at the PCC Nationals. They look fucking awesome. I don't, I don't have one, obviously, because Steve Wells. Hi, Steve. Um, but they do look very nice. Awesome. They Malcolm do. I can, I can confirm. Demi nice. had one. Steve had one. I didn't have one. No, that's, that's bullshit. We'll, we'll have to take them up on that some other time. <laughs> uh, Magnum United, they're doing some really cool stuff on Wednesdays and Thursdays now where they build a couple of ranges with, with stages on them. You show up really, really cost-effective to, to go and shoot them, and you get to just play. So you can run the stages multiple times. You can run them multiple ways. You can play with timing. You can play with movement. You can play with entry, exits, activation sequences. I have it on good authority from Albert himself, who's the guy who's who's helping them design the stages for this, that they're going to try and have at least one moving target with different activation types. So poppers one time, then bear traps, and et cetera. So that guys actually get to go and shoot and and practice on moving targets where they won't normally necessarily have access to them. Terry can show us showing us some very lovely ammo. On <laughs> is it on range 13? It is not. It was on really? range 
four, five, and two this time. Billy Wise is not in range 13. Uh, I think most because they're trying range. to keep us off of there. Uh, <laughs> so really cool stuff happening at Magnum. Please support them. Uh, T-Bag, you have a red dot coming up, a red dot course coming up on the 9th, uh, not the 19th. The 12th of September. 12th of September. So you guys will have one week, I assume, to sign up once this comes out, if there are still spaces available. Yeah, it's getting pretty full, so uh, uh, message me quickly. Cool stuff. Hit T up, uh, T at 9876.co.r. Sweet. Last thing I want to mention before we roll into the actual topic, uh, Jacques, our coach is, uh, from Crazy Monkey Centurion, is hosting Karambit courses on the 23rd of October, the 30th of October, and the 6th of November. I'll have his details down in the show notes. Please hit him up if you'd like to attend that. Jacques is a master of the Karambit, and his knife training is exceptional. So I would hop on that 550 rand per person. And if I have the times correct, which I may not, it's 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. on each of those days. Sounds right-ish. Before we roll into the show, um, Garrett. Garrett. Yes. Sir. Did, did, did anything interesting happen to you this week? Yes. Very interesting. Oh, oh. oh anything you want to share with our listeners, including Sean? Yeah, of course. Oh, including Sean. Keep it Shaw's vague. Patience Keep it vague. He's <laughs> been exceptional. But... Um, you really want me to keep it vague or should we just drop the bombshell on? No, 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 drop the bomb, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started working at Bernard Agencies this week. I started on the 1st of September. Awesome. So yeah. they now have a dude who breaks clocks. Well, breaks clocks is a strong word. I should probably cut that out. They have a dude who wears parts and clocks out for fun. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one breaks shit like I do. <laughs> yes, tea break stuff. Gaz wears out pots that are replaceable. So, <laughs> congrats, dude. We're very yeah. happy for you. I'm sure you'll be uh, you'll be happy at the uh, BA family. I mean, I'm not. for sure. T looks like a like a happy father over there. Look at look at that smile. <laughs> or maybe it's under That's paint. Be cool. I can't really tell. <laughs> let's, let's. Let's get into the actual topic so that Johan can stop staring at us like we're crazy. Uh, so, PCC Nats. Was this our first PCC Nationals that was a standalone match? So not following on a handgun Nationals? To the best of my knowledge, yeah. Johan? Yes, this, this match was slated to actually happen in 2020. And then uh, due to circumstances, it, it moved a couple of times. So this was the first time that we had a, a dedicated PCC match where the stages were designed, constructed, and shot as a PCC match only. And do we think that was a good thing? Uh, from my side, absolutely. It was uh, from match management side, it was easier to run. The competitors seemed to enjoy it a lot more. And I think the stages themselves kind of lent themselves out to PCC because it wasn't constructed for somebody shooting a four or five inch barrel. It was constructed for somebody shooting a carbine. And I think that made a big difference in the way the way it was shot and the way it was constructed. So I think it was a very good thing. I think it's going to be a lot more like you would shoot at a world shoot or a shoot overseas than just a PCC match attached to a handgun match. 
Yeah, I, I have shot on nationals, but I've I've shot a league where they took mini rifle stages and made them shotgun stages. So I'm not a big fan of repurposing things for for um, you know, firearms that they weren't designed around. So I think it's a great idea to to have them as standalone matches, build them separately, and not host them as a follow on to a pistol match. That makes it more difficult for guys to attend because it's an extra day of shooting that you're away from the office or the family or whatever. Um, some guys might see that as a positive, but not everyone will. Um, and it it obviously makes the the match a lot easier on the match officials because they're not there isn't an extra day of match pressure that's happening. Um, it's a good thing. There's obviously downsides to the fact that you need a, a range at a different time of the year and uh, more I think the, the only the only limiting factor we have really with let's call it extra disciplines or extra firearms matches in those things are it's the cost involved you can always get uh the officials you can always get the shooters it's the cost involved in hosting the match it's to host a 20 stage match like this one was you need quite a substantial amount of competitors to make it break even never mind profitable so if you've got a small group of people shooting a match it's always difficult to get enough people there to justify the cost and I think that's pretty much the only reason why the matches happen less often than we would like. Uh, the, the long, let's call it long gun or not handgun matches. That's the only reason why they don't happen as often is because of the costs involved. It's very difficult to make money if you've only got forty guys showing up with their mini rifles, you know. And it's uh, it's expensive for the competitors as well. So it's a it's a difficult one, especially in South Africa where we have the main focus. Everybody has a handgun. And very few people shoot that and something else. If you look at the collective type of sport shooting community, a lot of the sport shooters pick a type of firearm and they stick with it. They don't really mix and match. There's very few people that shoot more than one type of firearm. That's true. I think it, and largely that's true. And most people, like you said, have a handgun because they've licenses of self-defense and they're, they're shooting some matches with it. Um, the additional firearms are often not either not purchased at all or they're sort of dedicated hunting tools or, you know, they're, they're not really sports weapons and the guys don't really want to shoot them because you know, sort of inverted brackets, shotguns hurt you and rifles are expensive <laughs> to shoot. And Which makes PCC the, one of the great things, you know, it uses the same ammunition as your handgun. You can literally, without low development in most PCC firearms, just take your handgun rounds and go and shoot. It's not ideal, but you can. So you could literally, without changing any of your setup or outlay on ammunition, you can go and shoot two disciplines now. And uh, I think that's going to be the big pull uh, towards towards that specific side of the of, of sport shooting because it's also not long distance. You're not expected to lie down with your nine millimeter carbine uh, on a bipod or a tripod and snipe targets at 300 meters. You know, so it's a it's a much more realistic use of the firearm is a lot more aligned when I say realistic with reality. You're kind of shooting at the distances where you would normally use that type of firearm. It's not a, a sport-specific distance or a sport-specific type of movement. It, it all comes down to if you had this firearm and you were in a situation, you know, hunting or fishing or, you know, stopping your car at the engine or something, this would be what you would use it for. Yeah. Please... 
dude, you're too close for my 223. Please take about 300 meters back. <laughs> exactly. Stand perfectly <laughs> still. I'm going to lie down prone. <laughs> exactly. Meat damage. <laughs> I, uh, I shot the match as a competitor. And, and sort of the perception I had and the perception I had chatting to my squad who were more generally better shooters than me was that this is this is the way to shoot PCC. Um, the, the division is, oh, sorry, the discipline is not a division. The discipline is not going to grow. It's not going to grow properly. It, it, it needed that opportunity to gain a bit of traction. Um, so I think it was the right thing to do to allow it to be shot in pistol matches and that. It now needs an opportunity to become a discipline of its own. Um, because Jose, who designed the stages, did a spectacular job of balancing a variety of, of difficulties from the difficulty of dealing with a PCC on, a, on, a, on an almost point-blank target, which if you haven't done it at speed, you may not understand, to some longer shots, some, some tighter shots, some weird body positions, some, you know, some evil fucking movers that no one could hit. Um, but he did a the, the guys that are and I think Jose designed all the stages, um, or, or was the main designer. He did, they did a spectacular job of, of testing your ability to shoot the PCC, and not testing your ability to shoot a PCC in a not PCC match. Um, and and I really don't see that it's never going to develop its full potential. And, and for the record, when, when, when IPSC initially announced PCC as a discipline, as opposed to what USPSA had done in making it a division, I thought they made the wrong call. Um, I was wrong. Uh, yes, record that. I was wrong. Um, I this think... Better uh, I need to cut out. Yeah, I just beep that the fuck out. Um, I, uh, I, I really thought it, was, it wasn't the right call, but in, in hindsight... It is it it is made more sense to make PCC a standalone discipline, so that we can optimize matches in that for that game. Um, you know what 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 apparently happens a fair amount in USPSA and and even IDPA in the states is you get or you know stage designers do one of two things they 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 want to shoot PCC so they design a PCC stage in a pistol match which sucks if you're shooting with a pistol. Or they decide they want to fuck the PCC shooters, so they design stages that, you know, require weird transitions and and all sorts of silly things um, for the PCC shooters. Neither of which makes a huge amount of sense if you want to grow a division. And 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 here, there's particular sort of local advantage to growing a, a new division with that sort of firearm. So, as a as a competitor, and and all the competitors I spoke to seem to be on the same page that that this is. This is the solution for BCC, and I can't talk for all the competitors when I say, so if we were to just have one nationals per discipline every year, this would be substantially easier to do and make, if not profitable, at least cost-effective for the organizers. That's a little bit of editorializing from me and not, in fact, the words of the King of the Oros or his very cute kitten. <laughs> I'm surprised that you went with the word kitten. Uh, I'm very polite. <laughs> <laughs> they could have gone either way right there uh, no, I, I I agree with you See, no, I didn't shoot this match but I agree with you that it was a really good thing that they started off allowing you to shoot PCCs at pistol matches and I think that's a really good idea to keep going for club level matches but I think for and 
perhaps for leagues, but I think for the nationals, the division is going, uh, the, the, the discipline is going to be better served in having its own dedicated nationals designed for that discipline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from my side, um, the idea of having more than one nationals, it, it obviously it allows more people to shoot the nationals, but at the end of the day, a nationals is there to test the best competitors that we have to put together teams or medals or whatever for the best in the country. So what uh, what T says is is a hundred percent correct. You know, if we have a nationals with the top competitors shooting, what we end up is with we end up with the best possible teams. If that, the way it's currently measured, you shoot three matches a year. Let's take handgun for example, or rifle or shotgun for the last couple of years. But uh, if you take you've got three chances to get into this team that goes international or is considered the best in the country. Whereas if we used a different system where we have 20 level three matches or 40 level three matches in South Africa, each province hosting six a year, on any given weekend, you can drive 100 to 150 kilometers and go and shoot a level three somewhere. That means that if you have so many opportunities, you'll probably end up with sorting out who is the best at handgun and not necessarily who pitched up to all three matches. And I think yep. that's a, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And I think PCC rifle shotgun, even mini rifle, I think all of them should be handled exactly the same. The people that put in the time and the effort to become the best shooters in that discipline should be afforded the chance to shoot it as much as they can and not just three times a year. Yeah. Guys really tend to shelve the other disciplines, the, the non-pistol disciplines until a big match is coming up because there isn't enough matches or there aren't matches that are worth traveling to because of the expense in shooting some of these firearms. The ammo is expensive. Um, if there were more level three matches, like leagues, so provincial match, but ranked as a level three and built to that sort of standard, I think guys would be less likely to shelve the guns for, you know, three or four or five months until a big match is coming up and then shoot it and then shelve it again for pistols until the next big match comes up. And I think related to that, and, and I'm, I, I can't talk for you on here because I have hair. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, I think related to that as well, If and, and what Cornelius says is, is, is true, a, a lot of guys don't drag out the whatever other guns still there's a nationals coming through. And, and there's a lot of complaints about, uh, you know, we need to have more high-end matches for this. And, and that starts by you hosting level ones. That starts by you going to your local club and going, I want to shoot a PCC match. So we don't have a match on the third Saturday of the month. I'd like to host one, please. Uh, and I'll, I'll design the stages, I'll do all the work, I'll get everyone together, and we'll have a PCC match or a mini rifle match or a shotgun match or a rifle match or a fucking whatever the fuck you want to shoot match. Um, and that that's how you do it, guys. That That's where you start it. You know, the, um, there's a couple of matches around um, White River have some, some really cool shotgun matches, and I believe they had a really cool PCC match the other day. That isn't because anyone made them do it. It isn't because anyone instructed them to do it or it was on a calendar. It's because the guys involved in the club wanted to put together a really good match. Um, 
And that started as a level one, and over time it'll probably develop into a level two and hopefully into a level three because it has the capability. That's where it starts. Um, it was one of the arguments when PCC started of, of guys going, well, you know, we need somewhere to shoot this. Well, we'll make somewhere. Um, your club's probably not busy every weekend. You can probably get some ranges. It can be a four-stage match for fuck's sake. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a massive match, but put something together uh, and, and put a little bit of effort in and you will be surprised how it works. And, and press gang people. Go, you know, like our shotgun extravaganza, Corne and Gaz and, and Johan all volunteered to help. They didn't know they'd volunteered to help for a few days after they'd volunteered, um, but eventually they all volunteered to help. Ah, yeah, involuntary yeah. volunteering, but that was a yeah, spectacular exactly. match. I mean, we. And the thing is, hosting different disciplines doesn't cost you anything more than a pistol match would perhaps with the exception of rifle where you, I mean, you can shoot just paper, but if you want to shoot steel with rifle, you'll need a little bit more distance and you'll need rifle rated steel. But hosting a shotgun match doesn't cost you anything more than hosting at the club level than hosting a pistol match. It doesn't cost you anything more to host a PCC match than it costs you to host a handgun match. And you can, you can do a rifle match on paper only as well. Yeah, as I said, so you could you could just do paper and then not worry about the steel. And then it's the same cost. Perhaps the matches that you're going to host initially are going to suck, okay? If it is your first time that that club is designing rifle stages and no one is a, is a regular rifle shooter, perhaps your match is going to suck. But guess what? You do that three months in a row, you're going to learn from that and you're going to start hosting better and better matches. And then perhaps in a year's time, you're designing the stuff for the nationals because you've built up a skill set that not many people have because rifles are not being shot with the regularity in all across the country that they should be. Same thing for shotguns. Uh, we did some, some cool, interesting things with the, the shotgun extravaganza because we wanted to test people and their ability to shoot shotguns, not just sh to, to, to make noise, but to shoot shotguns. Um, and that comes with a little bit of, time shooting them and then you have to host matches you, you you have to take the time and design stuff even if it turns out bad the first couple of times do it take the risk you'll have fun and it'll get better and it probably won't be bad no, exactly yeah no, I, I mean objectively you might look no, no, at it afterwards yeah, and yeah. go oh this was shit but no realistically it won't be that bad and it will get better your perception will improve as you get more confident Johan is sitting there smiling at us like we're <laughs> no, actually, I wanted to just add on to something that Tarek mentioned. He said, you know, even if you have four stages, and if we talk about IPC specifically, you know, I think it's a, I don't know if it's a South African misconception or if it's a worldwide thing, but a lot of the guys I know in Europe, you know, they, they do it very differently than we do it. And if you look at a level one match, you need three stages and 40 rounds of ammunition. A level two match, you're talking about six stages and 80 rounds of ammunition. Once you get to 150 rounds, that's a level three. So in South Africa, I don't know of any level two matches that I've heard of in the recent past. It's less than 150 rounds. They all hover around there. And that's what the normal competitor in Europe or America or any one of these big, the, the big IPSC communities, that's what they would shoot at a level three. 
So at a two-day match, they would shoot what we force our shooters to shoot in a single day. And I think when it comes to developing disciplines, especially something like PCC, mini rifle, rifle, shotgun, if our course designers and our matches stuck closer to the recommended amount and more clubs do it, people will shoot more. If I can take two boxes of shotgun ammo, chuck the gun in the car, and I'm back home in three hours' time, I would go and shoot a match every weekend because it's, you know, it's it's like going to the shops. But to shoot a shotgun match, you have to load 150 to 200 rounds of bird with some slug and stuff. You have to go out. It's an entire day on the range. And I think it's a, it's a misconception people have about what it should be. I know it's fun to shoot, and it's fun to shoot a lot. But to develop disciplines, we can also do a lot less and get more people to do it. I think that's, you know, it's something that people have to think about. And, and I think related to that, if if you have a club at an indoor range or something, um, you can you can host that that three stage match and make a level one. Um, you know, you can build one stage on on your club's indoor range and shoot it once as a whole stage. Shoot the left side once, shoot the right side once, or shoot it once as a whole stage. Shoot it start on the left one, start on the right ones, whatever run you know if you want to you know depending on what round count you want to go to. Um, that can be really interesting, and and you can have a weekly PCC um, club shoot at your your indoor range in in the evening. Um, there are there are ways and means. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. I mean, uh, sorry, I, I so think that's that, a brilliant. <laughs> okay, who goes you, first? Who goes? You first? go because you're right. the guest. Um, I think it's a you know just taking a, an example from earlier about the uh, September. Shoot now with shooting stuff, offering that kind of thing. See what you just said. We, you can put up a stage there. You can have a club shoot day. Let's call it the Wednesday or something. Mm-hmm. You can come in any time during the day. You pay your 50 rand or whatever. You shoot all three stages in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and you're off on your way home. And tomorrow, everybody that came and shot today goes on the results. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you have a safety officer type thing there. And people, you know, around the area would take a half an hour lunch break and quickly go shoot a club shoot. I mean, that's the way to go. And you can do that with, like you say, a PCC, shotgun, anything. Yep. I, I think, and this was, uh, this was actually part of a discussion I had with someone today about something else, but I think it's related. Um, there's, there's a lot of, we, we sometimes get ourselves in trouble because of, of how things have always worked or how we've always done things. Um, and for the last 20 years, this is how this has worked, so this is how it must work. Uh, and we, we miss out an opportunity. So, you know, for me, I, I don't want a vector club shoot to all of a sudden become a, 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 a three-stage, 30-minute thing. Um, but th- there is an opportunity for, you know, the Oaks at Spartan or the Oaks at Dave Shear or the Oaks at, at, you know, one of those to go, we're going to have little club shoots here and there and, you know, we, we're going to have the first Tuesday of the month is a pistol club shoot and the the first the second Tuesday of the month is a PCC club shoot. And, um, you know, and, you know, if you really want to come in, book your gun in for safekeeping in the morning, drop it off, go to work, uh, shoot the match, take your gun home. Um, I was going to say that that frequency of, of regularity of competing and stuff is important. Um, it, it's not training. It's not not practicing to shoot the sport, it's testing your skill. But there is a degree of sort of match fitness and range fitness that goes into competing. And unfortunately, the type of match range fitness that you need 
to shoot long guns is not the same thing as shooting handguns. Long guns are heavy. They require different movement in order to be efficient. Being able to shoot a, a, a three-stage match with a low round count every month is better than shooting a much higher round count match every four months because no one wants to go or we can't show up. Or I'm not saying that all matches should be small. I'm just saying that if your club can't manage to do big shoots once a month, then do small shoots, but do them once a month as opposed to doing them every four or five months or whatever it ends up being. Mr. Evans, you're very quiet. He's gone first. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to leave that right there. <laughs> well, while we're waiting from, uh, just to get back to the PCC nationals, and uh, actually maybe we should wait for guys to get back before I discuss that, because you'll quite enjoy it. Oh, he's back. Uh, you guys spoke about it before, about the balance in the match and how many points you shoot on the Saturday versus the Sunday. Uh, due to no fault of our own and circumstances being what they are, we had to change the time schedule a few times for the PCC Nationals. And in the end, I think it worked out quite to the advantage of both the officials and the shooters. It is, I've been arrowing for a long time, and it is the first time I've ever seen something like this. I've never seen it before. The Points division was about 56, 57% on the Saturday. So it's pretty much 50, 50 between the two days, the way the stages were laid out. And a lot of the shooters, I would, most of the guys I spoke to weren't really keen to come and shoot the match. Uh, you know, they, it's been a long year. They've, you know, it's been a difficult year. And the guys were not really keen on shooting this. And they ended the match in 20, back in 2020 in February. And they kind of just kept their name on the list and kind of just went along with it, and, you know, remembered in the end. So we weren't, we didn't have a lot of people that were excited about the match. <clears throat> but on the Sunday, it was the complete opposite. I think everybody pitched up and they were on fire. The shooters were pushing, you know, even for, for spot 34 and 35, the shooters were pushing to the very last stage for those few extra stage points or targets they could get faster than they, whoever their competition was. And I've never actually seen it. It's usually completely different where the shooters show up at a match and they're very fired up to shoot. And on the Sunday, they're just done. You can see that they, they don't even want to shoot really. And this match flipped it around completely. Even the, the match officials, you could see the morale of the match officials lift on the Sunday. And it's not because it was quicker. It was exactly the same amount of work on the Sunday as the Saturday. But the guys went through the stages as a comparison. And to be fair, the stages were a bit more complex on the Saturday. But as a comparison, we shot for two hours less on the Sunday than we did on the Saturday. And that's due to the competitors all of a sudden picking up and pushing because they wanted to get to the next stage to get those few extra points. The officials were resetting quicker. They were running the stages quicker. And I think the entire mood was just a lot better on the Sunday than it was the Saturday. And it was... Uh, it was an amazing thing to see from from my side, you know, from match management side, to see how the competitors got more excited about the match the longer they stayed there. Instead of getting tired, it was amazing. I think having that point division, the way that you had it, where it's, it's very close or as close as damn to 50-50, means that shooting Sunday is worth it. I, yes. think, I mean, obviously guys are tired from Saturday because they've been competing, but when you've shot 80% of your match on Saturday and you're tired, you're going, this 20% is, I've already made or, or broken my match yesterday. 
today I just have to show up so that at least I've shown up. Where if you've got a very equal split between the days, the guys have a reason to be there on Sunday and they have a reason to work hard. Um, that's fantastic. I don't think yeah, I've we seen had that so many happens. We had so many guys that had firearm malfunctions and problems and the springs are doing this and the optics are doing that and the magazines are doing this. And Saturday night, I don't think anybody went out drinking. I think all of them went to the local gun shops to find spares fix and, their guns. and everything <laughs> to fix all the stuff that they that they were struggling with. And Sunday morning, everybody came to the sighting range. I think I had about 20, 25. So we're talking almost half the competitors came to the range, uh, to the sighting range Sunday morning to quickly check the stuff they, they, they fixed last night. You know, it was amazing to see and experience that type of thing with the people spend so much effort and time on the equipment and their mindset to get it right for the Sunday because they just five stage points behind, you know? Yeah, that's, I think awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. And I think was, when I last looked at the timetable, you also didn't have to have first shots fired just as the sun cracked the horizon. We started at nine. Uh, yeah. We shot 10 mm-hmm. stages. So we shot a hundred and... I think on the Saturday, I, I may be corrected, but I think we shot 140 or 160 rounds on the Saturday. We finished it just after four. And on Sunday, again, we started at nine and we finished just after two, somewhere around nice. there. Also 130 yeah. rounds. Those are nice days. Yes. That's yeah. not unreasonable times on the range. Yeah, I mean, just for, once again, from a competitive point of view, it is so frustrating and it, it happens, especially at sort of not pistol nationals that day two is worthless. Um, it's there because we're going to make it a two-day, in, in which case what we should do is just make it a one-day match so we can all get home a day earlier or make it a two-day match. But this one-and-a-quarter-day match malarkey is, is frustrating and annoying um, because there's just no point. Uh, the, the other thing was that, yeah, it's fucking stupid, this urge some people have to have us at the range at half past five in the morning so we can sit around and do nothing until... Um, sunset uh, you know it, it 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 gets hot people get tired when people get tired they make mistakes and we're dealing with guns um, we, we managed to get a lot of stuff done starting at, at a sort of reasonable time um, and yeah everyone I spoke to was quite glad about the fact that Sunday actually counted uh, and jokes to say it Sunday changed some results quite dramatically for a lot of people you know if you at the end of Saturday Everyone had shot the same stages, so the, those results were were quite sort of valuable, um, and we saw dramatic changes. I mean, for myself, I went up, I think, eleven spaces places on on the Sunday. Um, that wouldn't have been possible uh, if I was uh, if, if I had four twelve round stages to shoot. Yep, yeah, it, it's it's important that the the second day is valuable and worth attending. Just a more um, fun, more fun. It day. is. Yeah, there we go. Imagine that. Ima- imagine having fun at a match. Oh, people, is what is this? Impossible. And so, can we introduce that other thing that that we would like to to start seeing a little bit more? Is if you're concerned about people getting tired and you want them to start a little bit earlier because you've got a lot of stuff to cover in a single day and you want to finish a little bit later, sessions are the way to go. Have some people shoot a morning session and then they shoot an afternoon session on day two or have them shoot the afternoon session and then they shoot the morning session on day nope. Whatever. If you need longer days, split people's time on the range in two so that it's spread over sensible times per shooter 
even if the actual shooting day is pretty extensive. Um, that doesn't seem to have caught on here yet. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I mean, the, the, the one match that we had where we did that worked spectacularly. Everyone had fun. Everyone was raving about how good it was. And then it just never happened again. <laughs> it, was... it falls under exactly the same category as, as, uh, as you were saying earlier. It needs to start at the bottom. So the people hosting these matches need to push for session shooting. And it makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Financially, you can have double the competitors in the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. So you can make a lot more money at a match. And I'm not saying this, you know, it's, it's, it's not a profit game necessarily, but you can put up a higher quality match because you have more money to spend on props and construction and helpers and all the other stuff that goes along with matches. And like you rightly say, if you're going down to Cape Town for a handgun match, you can take the wife and kids along and you can go to the beach for half the day. Mm. And the same tomorrow morning, you can go and have a nice breakfast and a, and a lie-in and that sort of thing and only shoot in the afternoon. So it makes it, especially in South Africa, it makes financial sense to do it that way because it's just there, there are no downsides to shooting sessions. The, the officials are arrested, the shooters are arrested, everybody's more like, keen to come and do the match and shoot the match. So it makes sense. And everyone's fresher for their actual performances. Remember, we're, we, we spend a significant amount of time on the range not shooting, but we are there to shoot, and your shooting performance is, is the most important thing. When you've been on the range for 10 hours and you now have a 32-round stage to shoot after a 40-minute lunch break right before you shoot your last stage, because that's just the way that it worked out for that match. Because um, the range master's a dick. What? <laughs> I mean, uh, you're not going to be in tip-top form, where if you shoot a session, you show up fresh, you're there for a, a shorter duration of time uh, on a particular day. The intervals should then be or, or the intermission should then be such that they happen between sessions and not between stages so you should be fresh for the entire time that you're there to shoot and then you get to go home and rest and you come back and you do another relatively or south africa at least short stint on the range in peak condition um do that people do that start shooting your your three stage level one matches as sessions, three sessions, you have dudes coming in the morning, the afternoon, the evening to shoot a stage. <laughs> <laughs> and you run that over three days, session shooting. <laughs> Don't actually do that. It sounds like club match <laughs> entry fees are going to go up a bit. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't actually do that. But <laughs> for, for, the, for the leagues, we can, we can certainly do that. For your, for your provincial matches uh, that run over two days, you're running them over two days anyway, and you're running them as separate matches on each of those days. I mean, it's the same match on the scoring, but you're you're running all the stages for the competitors on day one and all the stages for the competitors on day two. You may as well split them into two and get the benefits of the uh, short time range, better overall performance, more fun, and we get to actually roll out this fantastic thing that they do at the top of our sport. Because this is what they do with World Shoot. We get to actually roll that out and use it to our advantage. Well, I think they, they do sessions at more than just the world shoot. Eh? They do it at a lot of different nationals across the world. And they do it at other bigger level threes and that sort of stuff as well. Yep. So it's, 
Exactly. But at the top level, they've seen the benefits, which is why they do it. So Correct. why wouldn't we want to do it at you know, lower level matches? You mean in a country that has exceptionally hot summers, we, we might not want people stuck in the sun on ranges with no shade. Why? For 12 hours. Why? Sorry, I, I, I'm just, I'm obviously tired and I'm just talking complete and utter rubbish now. And that's different to normal? Yes, normally <laughs> I mean, except I'm just for the talking time. rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit more about this PCC net. Like match, what was interesting? What happened with the stages and things that that were that made them PCC stages as opposed to pistol? Who are you talking to? Me? Any of you that went to the match? So you can decide which one wants to go first. Well, I'll talk because I like talking. Um, <laughs> Hashtag as I said earlier, fact. <laughs> Hashtag fuck you. Uh, the, the 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 stage and and this is this is a word you may have heard on this show before. It's it's a word that we use all the time, and I don't know why, but the stages were very well balanced, 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 balanced. Yes, balanced. Um, in that they didn't turn it into. I'll, I'll be honest. I I don't like shooting IPC rifle matches uh, as a rule because what you do is you lie in the dirt and shoot targets really far away, really slowly, with guns designed to be shot fast. Um, and I think that's boring as fuck. Um, and I stopped shooting IPC rifle nationals because there was never any stages where you really got to shoot the rifle fast to make up for the lying in the dirt shooting the targets really slowly um, with guns designed to shoot fast. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> they, they were longer shots. They, they weren't any like super long shots, but they were challenging shots. There were some sort of close burner shots. There was some there was a fair amount of opportunity to shoot on the move, uh, which which some guys took advantage of, some didn't. Um, there was there was clever use of sort of no shoots and the really close targets to to suck you into shooting them. Ask me how I know this. Uh, there were a lot of lot of challenging body positions. Um, so uh, there was one stage we will not talk of, um, and then there were there were two other stages with with sort of quite aggressive low ports. Yes, Jose, we need to have words, um, but they actually jokes aside, they weren't ridiculous. They they weren't those like some clubs have put together at, at level threes where you had sort of ridiculous body positions. They were low ports, but they were. They, I think they were. They were challenging, um, but they weren't stupid. They, they, they weren't an attempt to fuck you around. Um, but there were, there, there were lots of opportunities to, to make mistakes um, because you'd rushed something too fast or because you'd forgotten about high toe for ball, as I say, on a no-shoot or while shooting the brand ring on two of Johan's dad's stages because I forgot that my dot was above my barrel. Uh, <laughs> um, there was stuff where, as a right-handed shooter, you either needed to to switch to your to your left shoulder, or you had to kind of contort yourself a little bit. I'm assuming for for disabled people who shoot with their left hands, it, it was similar. Um, so there was a it. The best way I can describe it, it, it was a PCC match designed by someone who shoots PCC at a high level, which it was. A short person who shoots PCC at a high level, Jose, um, but a, a person who shoots PCC at a high level. So it wasn't 
it wasn't sort of a theoretical thing. It wasn't. It wasn't. Some matches I've shot where it's quite obvious that what the stage designer is trying to do is fuck the competitors and, and show them how little respect and, and how much disdain they have for them. It 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 was a stage, It was a match where you were engaged on every stage. Um, you know, you you were engaged with how you shot the gun because if you if you let the pace of a target array dictate the entire stage, you were either going to go fast enough that you were going to fall off the the edge, or you were going to go slow enough that you just you you weren't going to be competitive. Uh, so. I was I was very impressed. I was one of those people who genuinely had, and I mentioned on the show last week, had zero interest in going through. I just wasn't interested. Um, how much did I enjoy it? I bought a new PCC this week. Nice, congratulations. Leon, <laughs> <laughs> from your side. Yeah, so from my side, it was uh, it was a long process. I'm I'm involved with the paper vetting of the matches as well. And when we first saw the paper match that Jose sent through, it looked amazing. I, there were a couple of changes here and there, safety type things and questions from the people. And I say people, actually, I mean me saying, why do we want the shooter to move backwards? Why do we want to do this? Just, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. You know, if we move this target, it might be better there, that type of thing. And Jose was very accommodating. He changed the state. He stayed with what he had in mind. Uh, moved a couple of the things around. I don't think we had any real safety issues at the match. Uh, stage design-wise is where it really shone. The uh, betting committee from IPSC side came back relatively quickly and said that it was a beautiful match. And barring global issues, they would come through and shoot it because it's one of the first uh, standalone big PCC matches. And it was lauded as an extravaganza due to the, 200, or the, the 20 stages. And uh, I think the stages on the ground came out exceptionally well. What Tarek said is a couple of things that I specifically took note of. Uh, they were, if I remember correctly, two 32-round stages. And standing in the back listening to the competitors when they do their walkthrough, they mustered the squad. While doing their walkthrough, the entire five minutes, the guys were debating about, am I going to push it and hope I have enough ammo in my 33-round gun? Or am I going to mag change there? And invariably, in every single squad, we had at least two or three people out of the 10 to 12 people in the squad that didn't do a mag change. And that's a very good indicator for a stage designer and a course constructor that what you did was create options. And the options created problems for the shooters, problems that they had to mentally solve. They had to look at their shooting capability and how confident they are in the shots they can take. And uh, it was exciting. I mean, when people managed to shoot uh, the 32-rounder with just the one mag, they were, let's call them spectators, but, you know, they're actually just your other squad members, you know, clapping in the back and calling you balls and stuff. And you could see the big grins on their faces. There were stages where you had to go from extremely fast shooting to extremely slow shooting and then back again in a very short amount of time targets right in your face and then two targets far away and then targets right in your face again. But like T said, with, uh, with the added benefit of having no shoots in front of the second array. So we had uh, quite a few no shoots. And most of them were fair. I think uh, on uh, stage nine, and those who were at the match will know stage nine intimately. We had, I think, 107 misses on one stage 
and it's a stage with two swingers. They're not that far away, about 30 meters or so, but uh, there was substantial missing on that stage. I think it, it averages out to 1.4 misses per competitor on that stage. So, you know, that stage we might have to look at that kind of thing in the future to make it a bit more fair. Can, can, I, a, can I quote something from the It's About Balance show? Yeah. Yeah. If a D-class shooter in their own time cannot realistically make that shot, it does not belong in the match. So, <laughs> Well, funny you should say that I think most of the people that got four shots on those two swingers were D-class shooters. It's the guys that were trying to save time that missed on the, on the swingers. The guys that yeah, missed their time and just took the shots, they were fine. Almost everyone in the super squad, I, I, it may have been everyone, but at the very least, it was almost everyone in the super squad had at least one mic on those swingers. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so, so do we have to update pieces. that? <laughs> do, do we have to update that to say that if a D-class shooter in their own time cannot make that shot, it shouldn't be in the match. And if an entire super squad in their split second time that they decide to give that target, cannot make the shot. <laughs> they should have more of those. That, That's a that, good yeah. that, that said, it, it, it was a, I think it was more a deceptive pair, uh, pair of swingers as opposed to a particularly difficult pair of swingers. They were in peculiar light. Um, they, they, were, they were sort of in, in, in shadow and that. But I think it was... I fired three shots at each of them. I called three really solid hits. I had a mic on each one. Uh, <laughs> I, I spoke to guys in my squad who who carefully fired three, you know, two shots or three shots at each one. I spoke to guys in my squad who double tapped two rounds at each target as it swung by, and it seemed that everyone had exactly the same fucking success rate. It was just like. Um, but I don't think it, it was genuinely like. I, I think it was just they were deceptive. Um, I don't think I don't think anyone led them enough. I think guys fought a little bit pistol on them. Um, and a thirty meter swinger is a different thing to a fifteen meter swinger. Uh, like two so different types of targets. It's, it's, it's almost like it's twice as far um, <laughs> and four times as difficult, right? Well, yeah. So I, I think the challenge there was was very much a case of it was sort of shooter induced, um, and I think also I think in my squad and I think in a lot of squads what happened is the first shooter of the sec first and second shooter both had mics and then the rest of the squad go oh, don't mic on the swingers don't mic on the swingers make sure you don't mic on the swingers make make sure you don't mic on the swingers and what does and, everyone and, do you won't believe what happens then yep they get what they wish for no no I didn't I didn't get what I wished for. Yeah, see, if it's if it's shooters taking risks or not giving the targets quite enough attention, that's a good thing. If the shot is is you know very ambitious, even for someone standing in the perfect spot with the perfect mount and like that's still not going to yield a consistent result, that's a problem. But if the shooters decide that this thing needs to be pushed on and they pay the price for that. That's what the sport is about. It's about testing your ability to do things appropriate to the target. Um, oh, as long as what's required is not irrational. Sorry, t I've got a problem then. Why? Nothing I do is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any like inappropriate things to any of your targets, John? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on any specific shooters and their uh, their appropriateness, you know, but uh, 
I did see some of Derek's uh, no-shoot targets, and what he did to them was quite horrible, yes. You know. <laughs> Uh, just to get back on that, just to get back on that point, it's it's an extremely difficult thing for a course designer, and it's something that I, you know that people can actually think about. So in this case, Tarek obviously as a shooter experienced the targets as uh, you know difficult light, and it's uh, you know like you say it might not be enough attention. So do you as a course designer now look at this thing and say? Well, if we had 5% of the DQs on the match on a single stage, we pull the stage because there's obviously something wrong with the stage. But we have 40% of the misses on a mic on a single stage, and yet we leave that in. You know, it's, it's an extremely difficult one. So, Can we pull the stage yeah. now? Well, it's after the results, so yes, I can pull it now. <laughs> <laughs> but you as a course designer have to look at this. Is, was this a challenge to the shooters? Is it something that our shooters are not used to, but that they have to get used to? Is it something that you keep in? Is it something that you correct for in future? You know, and uh, with PCC, it's extremely difficult to say because none of us really have experience in, in building stages or shooting the stages for that matter because we've been shooting handgun stages for the last two years. We haven't been shooting PCC stages. And internationally, we've had a lot of talks with the guys in Europe, especially, and, and a few in America. And we've kind of come to the consensus under the stage design group that we at PCC we should look at about I don't know three four five percent of your shots should be out at 70 80 meters and then you've got about uh, 10 15 percent of your shots from 50 to 60 meters and the rest of it is, is kind of wanging it from five to 30 meters but should you have movers out there I don't know you know we will have so, to let the shoot out. so the problem with that particular breakdown that, that I, I see is things like Ronies are, are currently still allowed because you haven't made the change that I suggested we should make for PCCs to, to get them to all be actual rifles. Um, a dude with a four-inch pistol in a Rony is not going to make a shot reliably at 80 meters. Uh, so. I mean, that'll work the Ronies and stuff out of the sport because everyone will, will end up buying things that are more rifle-like and less pistol-like. So, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree a little bit with your thinking there, um, with both of you, actually, because I'm, I'm difficult like that. I, I think the Ronies have a place in the game, um, it, it, especially in, in some countries, I, I think, Guys are going to be able to own a Roni and not own a, a proper PCC at all. Um, in our country, to get a PCC is going to be a challenge. It's going to take time. Uh, a Roni gives gives someone a, a chance to try it. I, I I've made quite public. I have a problem with putting a, a a little piece of wood on the back of a pistol and calling it a PCC. I don't think that's the same thing as a as a Roni though. Um, I, I fear, based on, on the history of the game, that if we started having 80-meter shots in PCC, there's places where that would then start become the norm. So that is a concern as well. And, I, and I, I don't know how you fix that, but it's very easy to fuck up PCC like uh, I, I think rifles being fucked up uh, by making it not IPSC. Sorry. No, I think I think all of us. I think all of us absolutely agree with that. Uh, for me, uh, I had the fortunate, unfortunate depends on which side you're looking at it. You know, I, I grew up with my dad, and uh, 
I've been part of IPSC for, you know, I mean, he started IPSC, I think, in 82 or 83, something like that. So I've basically been been part of this game for a, for a very long time. You know, and I remember matches where people were swinging from trees in, in parachute harnesses, shooting out of cars and all sorts of stuff, you know, crawling through spider-infested pipes, you know, having children running to the front to pick up poppers, you know, because the old people are, you know, old and that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> and I, you know, for me, IPSC has always been about the practical side of shooting. And when I get to a stage, I want it to be practical. I want it to be something realistic. And that's, I think I mentioned it in the beginning as well. BCC should be used for what it's used for. If you look in the world outside of sports, where the, let's call it the MP5 gun and those types of things came from, they were made for a very specific purpose. And I think when you design courses of fire, when you construct courses of fire for any level match, you should always look at the history of the firearm and where it is used to construct your stages because it makes it more realistic. And I think if you do that as a course designer, it will help you a lot with constructing courses that are suited to the firearm. The the carbine was never designed for battlefield shooting at 500 meters. It was designed for close quarters type of thing where you needed something more than a handgun. And a shotgun wasn't cutting it because the rounds are heavy. You can't carry a lot of it and that sort of thing. So it was designed for a specific purpose. And if you design your stages that way, I think you'll end up with good stages. I agree. Yep. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting seeing some people trying to make shots quite that far with some of the things that are being used in PCC. Um, that said, for you know actual carbon length guns, that's not going to be a problem. And <laughs> ignoring TVAG for a moment. <laughs> uh, um, if they stick to those ratios, and I can't remember the exact percentages you mentioned, but if they stick to those ratios where the very long shots are reasonably infrequent, and then things that are sort of more in the, the realms of beyond pistol, but not quite 100 meters yet, if most of the match lives somewhere in there, I think that's going to make for really good matches. You're going to be able to burn it down with the PCCs, probably very close to the pace that you can shoot pistols. I said burn down your PCC at work tomorrow. What? Yes. But oh, I, no. I now have a secret agent there who will... Yeah, I'm not going to be there. Guys, um, I need you to burn down uh, Korn's PCC tomorrow morning, please. Okay. No problem. Sweet. Just to clarify, that was the, that was the maximum suggested distance. <laughs> so, not to say that you have to have that many shots. But that was the maximum distance. It's kind of putting what T said about limiting the stuff. It's the thought between the bunch of us was to limit the craziness, to not have a hundred meter shots at a PCC match. So, I saying to the guys, the furthest yeah. shot you can have is a seventy meter shot. If you have those. You can't have like more than one or two targets in a match. Yep. That is the yeah, I, I idea was more to limit the stupidness than to go the other way around. Yeah, I, I also think that um, having the limit or the suggested limit, however that's going to actually be worked into the, the course design, will stop people having the excuse that we can't host the PCC match because we don't have 100 meter ranges. Um, we can't host the PCC match because we can't reliably put targets at 80 meters. Well, you don't need that. 
Yeah, Asian I'm is good to have as a skill statement. That's that's <laughs> a dangerous conversation. That one. Mm. So so we'll have it. T, what do you think? <laughs> He's chewing. Gaz, what do you think? <laughs> what about the eighty or hundred meter shots? About guys making excuses they can't host the matches because they don't have the range. Yeah. I don't actually know what my thoughts would be on that. Well, I mean, if you don't have to have 80 meter shots, then your facility can host the PCC match. Exactly. That's the way it sounds right now. So there's no reason for just about any range to host a PCC match. Exactly. Like I said, even the indoor rangers have enough space to do it. The realm of practicality allows for it. Exactly. D-Max will chew you. a moment, sorry. Yeah, I had a bun with a toffee on or something. My wife bought me like a chocolate brownie. It's really good. There More we go. Talking to you. Nice. We're um, all uh, jealous. You should be. Yeah, I, I've seen some pictures from, from, I think it was one of the Scandinavian countries where I saw PCCs with one to six low power variable optic scopes. And that scared the shit out of me. Oh yeah, because if you do that, you're you're going to ruin everything that makes PCC fun. Um, it's supposed to be fast and furious. Uh, I, I think I think it's good to have some challenging shots, but I I, I think PCC as a whole, um, like like the game as a whole, it's supposed to be somewhat fast and furious. Uh, that's why we don't shoot bullseye or Bianchi or or IDPA. Laughing did, at did, did, did you say PCC is supposed to be fast and furious? Yes. We don't need magnified optics because we got family. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the final episode of Welcome to the Game Show. It's, it's been a fun 17 years or however the fuck long I've had to do this. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was weak source. That really was weak source. <laughs> I'll give you kudos was. for that. Out of anyone here, I'll give you kudos for that one. <laughs> so, well, Terry, he just won't do it on the show. <laughs> no, that 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 was that was weak AF. Uh, it's a service. It's what I do. <laughs> T, what do you think about the scheduling at the at the the, the PCC Nationals? How did that turn out in the end for the competitors? The Let's call it the extreme lack of sticking to any type of time schedule that uh, the range masters imposed on the shooters, you know, oh, by telling the shooters and the ROs to just keep going and we'll slow you down if necessary. So, so we didn't have to sit at a stage for two hours um, so that we could then have a bottleneck at the next stage or sit at a stage for two hours and do nothing so that we could get to the next stage and they'd get hurried along because now, yes, no, that was much, much better. If squad two had have actually just lifted their game a little bit, it would have been even better. Hi, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, that I, I, I do not understand this urge to keep to a time schedule and, and the amount of times we've had that where we, you know, you get to a stage and then you get arbitrary shit like it's 12.58, we'll start you at one. Uh, or you get to a stage where you, you have this massive delay and then as I say, and then two stages later, you're getting push, 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 or you're shooting in the dark because you spent an hour and a half um, waiting. I, I, it worked really well. It was, it was really good. And, and the, the sort of dead downtime was minimal. 
How many squads did you have? We had seven squads, six squads, sorry, six squads. We had six squads of between 10 and 12 people each. So it was a, a relatively tiny match, you know, um, but it gave us the opportunity to do, you know, what I said now was the scheduling where we could just let the squads and the ROs decide on their own time what they would like to do. And where we had a problem, we could just tell two or three stages before that stage, we could go and tell the ROs, look, just just tell the guys to take a seven-minute walkthrough, you know, and let them pick up the in between each shooter. And it, it kind of sorted the time out. So we had a bit of waiting. But I think in total, you know, except for the Sunday on the one stage, which was an issue for a little bit, I think in total we had very, very few issues with people sitting around. And we we kind of trusted the shooters to take their own lunch when they were hungry, you know. So I went around, apologized, I changed the schedule again and uh, told them that they have to eat in between whenever they feel like. And uh, we took the lunch hour out. And and I think most of the shooters enjoyed it. You know, when they were hungry, they grabbed a burger for five minutes. They went back and they, they carried on shooting. And nobody had an issue with not having a formal lunch. I think my motivation for starting it that way was purely more to say that we can finish two and a half, three hours earlier than the schedule if we take the half an hour lunch break out. And that's literally, we took one half an hour lunch break out and we finished the match two and a half, three hours earlier than scheduled because we did that. And I think it's a, it's a good thing. Obviously, it won't work at big matches where you are fully subscribed. Uh, the way South Africa runs, you know, we've got 16, 18 people in the squad. And running those 18 people in 40 minutes through a stage is nigh on impossible. So on big matches with lots of competitors, you will have to kind of stick to your time schedule. But on smaller matches, especially, you know, PCC, rifle, shotgun, all of these things, I think let the shooters and the officials decide on their own pace. And uh, you as the range master or the match director, you kind of just work around what the people want to do and try and keep them as happy as possible. Most people are understanding and all of us are grown-ups, you know. Mm. Another observation I want to make on, on the match that has got unfortunately nothing to do with you or, or, or was you can't take credit for this, Johan, I'm afraid. Um I was, and I, I know there were maybe one or two squads where, where this was a, was a problem, but I, I there, there is a solution to that one day when Sapsis um, <clears throat> sacks up and does it. Um, I was super chuffed to see how quickly guys in, in the squads I could see went forward and reset stages. Um, it was it was really really good to see, um, you know, like. Squads of and and everyone in PCC is shooting open, so it was all open squads. Uh, getting stages reset, there were I, I don't remember any any sort of opportunity or, or situations where ROs had to kind of pressurize the squad to um, to go reset. By the same token, we also didn't have the idiocy of ten people having to run forward to set a twelve round stage because uh, you know the, the ROs are like everyone must work. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see anyone in my squad uh, slack off. Um, guys would, you know, stages would get set. Guys would reset. Uh, there's always guys who reset everyone. There's always guys who reset slightly less. But I didn't see anyone in my squad not pull their weight. Um, I, I saw the same in squad two, um, even with Eddie in the squad. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Eddie. Um, we'll know if Eddie listens after this. 
No, Eddie doesn't listen, but I do love Eddie. Uh, I just I, I just enjoy giving him shit. Um, but as I said, I believe there was one or two squads where people thought that resetting the stage was beneath him. Um, and, and that is something in the sport that we need to stamp out. Uh, but as a as the whole, uh, from what I saw, that that went really well, and that was that was a positive. I think you can take credit if you want, John. I'm just not too sure how. Yeah. Uh, I'll give that that credit and go solidly to Belinda for that one. <laughs> this time, <laughs> next time you'll take it. Uh, I, I, having squads that want to work and want to get the match done, I mean, not in the terrible way of fuck this, I just want to get out of here, but they, they want to keep the match moving because they want to keep competing. That helps everyone have a better range day because you don't have guys who just sit on the bench and do fuck all. You don't have long waits between shooters because guys just aren't resetting. You don't have one poor fuck that's resetting every stage himself, Having including a- his own, <laughs> who then has Having a terrible a time shooting. Miserable day. Yeah, like that's no fun. So that's a really good thing and a positive thing that, that the guys are working together and... Uh, and wanting to get stuff done and wanting to keep the match moving. That was really good. I, I was really happy about that. Um, I do think that as, a, as an association, we, we need to kind of use one of those systems where, uh, you know, shooters reset for two shooters or three shooters after them. Um, I think that'll, that'll solve the problem. And, or ROs need to do what they can to to bang out warnings, procedurals, or DQs for unsportsmanlike behavior for shooters who refuse to help their squads. Um, I think if we, we all know a few people who we've never seen touch a patch or pick up a plate. I'm not going to mention any names. Um, and I genuinely think it, there should be a way in the rules to, to send them home because I think the first time you send them home, they will shit in their panties, uh, but maybe they'll actually learn they're not that special. You know what? No one expects. No one expects someone who's, um, you know, a super senior to to patch as much as, as everyone else. Though, funnily enough, generally the super seniors, as a as a rule, are the first ones going forward. Um, I think it's because they forget that they patched the previous one. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you're a junior, there's no fucking excuse. I'm sorry. Get off your ass, children, and work. Um, this I, I do not understand this. These freaking juniors sitting around doing fuck all. You've got energy, take advantage. You're not going to have it for much longer. Um, but I think uh, I, I do think it's something that we need to uh, we, we need to find solutions for. And I think there are solutions. They're not they're not going to be pretty, but I think they're better than going. Oh shit! I know so and so is in my squad. And I know he, and it's generally a he, is going to do absolutely nothing for two days. Um, or we just make them reset their own stages, um, which I've seen squads do uh, at, at nationals and personal nationals, guys who sit on their arse, and I've seen squads, um, and, and fortunately, sometimes the ROs pick up what, what's getting put down, and the squad sits on their arse and goes, reset your stage so you can shoot it. Um, and then generally they wake up after that. But... Uh, that I, I, as I say, I, I bring it up because I. It was nice to see that we didn't have that issue from what I saw at this match. Um, in any of the squads I saw, Oaks were uh, guys were, were were sort of pulling their weight there. I think that's again one of those things that we need to sort of stomp out at the level one level, where there needs to be a a requirement 
for you to actually do your part every time you compete. And your squad mates, even if the ROs, they, they can do stuff, but if, even if they can't always necessarily do something, your squad mates should be treating you the way that you're treating them um, in order to either correct that behavior or have you decide to not come back, um, as terrible as that sounds. But I mean, unsportsmanlike behavior is unsportsmanlike behavior. And if you want to act like a dick, no one's going to want to shoot with you going forward. So that's again, one of those things where if the clubs can get a little bit more, um, one more structured, so deciding a scheme that you're going to use in order to make sure that the resetting is fair, implement that at your club and then make sure people stick to it. And those who don't be sure to I don't know, rag on them in some way or the other to, to inspire change. And that'll then carry forward. Uh, guys will then over time naturally start doing that at level twos and they'll naturally start doing that at level threes. And you'll eventually work, I mean, it might take a long time, but you'll eventually work lazy out um, through just them not having a good time because it's no fun when no one resets for you, right? It's, mm. it's no fun when there's no assistance. No fun when guys won't talk to you about swinger timing because <laughs> you haven't reset any of these things. So we don't talk to you about stage plan. Sorry. Yeah. So, so it's agreed. Policy going forward is if there's juniors in the squad, they reset everything. If there's no juniors in the squad, well, then you're all going to have to pull your weight. And if you don't, sorry for you, you don't get to shoot. Done. Excellent. That's the new policy. Outstanding. Thanks, Johan. <laughs> I think Johan is, is, is shaking his head in, in disapproval. <laughs> well, I, actually don't, I actually don't mind the idea. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, let's, let's call it uh, bio-resetting or something like that. Uh, I'll go for that. But I'm also not at all opposed to uh, having a surcharge at a match, you know, especially mm -hmm. the bigger matches where, you know, if I tell the shooters three months in advance, if you pay this extra 50 rand, then your squad will have a patcher. And uh, if you look in the, in the IPC rule book, they actually suggest one, one patcher slash picker upper per six uh, per rounds, right? Per six, per six shooters, you know, so every six shooters have their own dedicated picker upper. And I don't think anybody really would have a problem with paying an extra 50 or 100 bucks or something like that to have, you know, if in a squad of 12, you've got two guys that travel with you. They know who you are. They know what your torpies look like. They help you patch. They do all of that stuff. Not saying that they have to do it on their own, but it does give people more of a break to do things. And if a squad comes with their own dedicated uh, resetters, it means the aura can focus on resetting the foot activator, resetting the swinger, resetting the runner in the correct way. And the rest of the stuff is done. He doesn't have to worry about chasing anything because I can honestly tell you as an aura, I don't want to worry about resetting targets. I'm more worried about, are oh, everybody off the, you know, is, is all the people off the range, can I start the next shooter? And the range master screaming at me because I haven't, you know, I'm running 10 minutes late on my, on my slot or, you know, I'm more worried about other things than I am about resetting the stage. And if I have to get a shooter on, on a, especially on some stages, we've got a 32 round stage with a swinger right at the end. I'm costing that shooter a hell of a lot of money. You know, it's, it's a, uh, on, on handgun, it's obviously not that big of a deal, but a lot of people don't take 500 of extra rounds. But if you're talking about shotgun, you're talking about a serious amount of money, you're talking about a box and a half of ammo. And because the swinger failed, because me as the RO, I was busy picking up plates instead of 
checking that the swing is reset correctly. So for me, it's like I say, I can go both ways. I can, you know, the shooters can help, but we can also just add a little surcharge, not as part of the match fees, just advertise it beforehand and say, if you come in, you get a little piece of yellow paper. If you paid your thing and in your squad, everybody holds up their little yellow papers on the first day. And if you didn't pay the 50 bucks, then either your squad sponsors you or you tell the helpers not to pick up for that. Oh, you, can really, you can reset his own stuff. You know? he can reset his own stage. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, we've had it with, with at least one match where some people paid for helpers and some people said, I'm not paying for helpers. But then sat around and did fuck all while the helpers reset everything. So I was going to say it has to be part of the match fee, but I am loving the yellow piece of paper so that you can <laughs> yeah. you can, can see you, who decided to not can do you it. imagine the bitching though. Uh, you you're singling me out. I I I also am firmly of the opinion that we we what does the nationals cost now? Thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Joke aside, in the grey scheme of things, the difference between thirteen hundred bucks and fourteen hundred bucks is nothing. Um, if, 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 based on the fact that you're going to be buying ammo, you may have travel expenses, you've got all the other shit you've spent. Um, if you can't afford three hundred rand a year for the three nationals, or hundred rand a year, because we should only have one nationals. Should have one. Um, <laughs> if it jokes, if you can't afford that. You're probably not shooting those matches uh, because it's it's a tiny drop in the bucket, uh, you know, sort of drop in the bucket. I, I have issue with with how much the price of matches has risen over the last four or five years, but that's a whole other discussion because the nationals used to be five hundred bucks and it's now thirteen hundred bucks, and I'm not seeing an extra almost two hundred percent more value. But that's beside the point. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> The, Controversies the, brought to you by Welcome the Gun Show. Yeah, that's it's all Corn's idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's Gaz's idea. Um, not enough people yeah. hate him. Um, but I, I do think that uh, it, it should, included in the match fee, it's, it's kind of the norm in Europe that if you shoot a level three, it costs X amount of money and it comes with helpers. Um, and if you don't want helpers, then you don't shoot the match. Um I think that would be a better thing, or, or or we need to change the system. What there are massive flaws at the moment where we know there are some guys who are going to sit in their ass and do nothing in a match, um, and there are some guys who are going to work substantially harder, and that doesn't. And and those guys aren't going to sit and do nothing. You know, they're they're going to feel bad, and the guys who sit and do nothing obviously feel fuck all because they don't realise that they're you know revolting human beings. Um, you know, no one wants to patch. No, no one wants to reset a stage. If 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 no one has ever seen you do it, um, you're a dick and you shouldn't be shooting Ipsic unless you're over ninety. Uh, you know, if it, but then you probably shouldn't be shooting Ipsic either because it's you might get tired. Um, so I do think we need to we need to find a solution. Uh, this is completely unrelated to the. Uh... <laughs> For all the guys wondering when I'm holding up the camera right now, if you want to find out it's which four. day this was recorded on, there is a meme on the Welcome to Gun Show page and our Instagram that explains how we should hire helpers to patch. <laughs> Derek, just a comment to to assist you in your um, crusade for the one nationals a year. There is a policy in SAPSA about how much nationals should cost. 
Mm. But there's a big difference between a nationals and a level three. You can have a, a level three where entrance money is free. You can just pitch up and shoot. Or you can charge 100 rand or 500 rand or 100 rand or however much you feel like as the match organizer. So I'm not, I'm not saying please provinces host lots and lots and lots of level threes, but I might be saying it. But so if as your hand can't necessarily say that, uh, as, uh, I can say provinces, how about we host the level threes? Lots of them. Lots of them. Lots of them. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> just what just your hand said, but in my voice. Just change that. Just on that, Jan, for the guys who don't know how to host a level three. 12 stages. Yeah, so your, well, not your minimum. Your, your, yeah, let's call it the minimum. Minimum requirement, 12 stages, mm -hmm. uh, 150 rounds. You need one qualified RO per stage. So you don't, uh, you can have uh, TROs and things assisting that RO. Uh, you need a, a range master and a stats director and a match director. Those, those are the requirements. And then... It's going to cost you, I'm not exactly sure on the money, but it's about a thousand rand or so in euros that you pay to IPSC for sanctioning. And your course of fire needs to be vetted internally in South Africa about four months before your match. And then it gets sent to IPSC no later than three months before the match. They then approve the course of fire and give sanctioning for the match. And that's it. So in essence, it costs you a thousand rand to have your match sanctioned by IPSC. And you need to just have the small requirements. So it's it's a relatively, I mean, 12 stages works on the, the approved ratio by IPSC. It's too long, four medium, six short. And uh, you can easily shoot that in a day if you want to. Namibia does it. The level threes are one-day matches. Uh, I think Zimbabwe did it a few times as well, where they've got level threes in one day because it's 150 rounds. It's easy to shoot if you're used to it. Yep. Exactly. Sweet. So not not that hard a task. You just need to plan a little bit in advance. You can't go, it's Friday night. We're hosting a match tomorrow. I'm going to draw something in paint. <laughs> Call it a course of fire. We'll slap something together at the range and we're done. You're going to have to plan a little bit in advance. Um, small money for, yeah. for sanctioning. And you can hold yeah. those level threes and it, they don't need to be stupidly expensive. No, no, they can be, like I say, you can have your entrance fees as whatever you want. Uh, years ago, I know there were matches between Northern Transvaal, Transvaal, and whatever that side's called, West Transvaal or something. And uh, they had these interprovincial matches, and, you know, they, they hosted those as basically level threes, you know. So it's it's been done in the past. It can be done in the future. And especially with when we come back to the long guns, it would be so good for the discipline to have bigger matches that are not nationals. If you can have, um, let's say, six level three PCC matches a year in Gauteng, or between Limpopo and Mpumalanga, or between West Cape and Boerland, or, you know, the regions, that type of thing, where you have combined provincial matches, instead of having just level twos, you make it a level three, it goes on onto a, a level three log, everybody gets more out of the match when you do it that way. I like that. Mm. that is we cool. should do that. Let's make that, someone make that happen now. Yeah, just, just someone do it and... Uh, as John and Sarah said, when we say someone else go and do it, please don't have it come back to us and we have to do it. Yeah. Someone else. <laughs> yes. We are too busy hosting this world-class podcast. 
to those level three matches. So the fact that it's a worldwide podcast, I don't think means it's world class. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is differences in those words. <laughs> world class doesn't necessarily mean good. Yes, I suppose. Depends on what the thing is, right? <laughs> yeah, taking public buses is a world class, but um, I don't think I've ever been on a nice public bus. Exactly. Uh, I think. Ones in France weren't bad. Trying to think where I've taken a nice public bus. One of the nicest airlines I've ever flown was Aeroflot. Really, really comfortable. Big seats. Big, big seats. Sorry. Totally off time. That's that's important when you're T-sized. <laughs> it it really is. As a normal Big seats size. are important. Yeah, because Johanna's also like that size, right? Yeah, Johanna's <laughs> also normal size. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh Johan, before we uh start wrapping this thing up, you want to quickly tell us about uh how to get involved as an RO, where level ones are being hosted to to get training the guys who are interested in signing up um, effort involved in that, that kind of stuff. Um, so the, the, I think the easiest route to follow is, uh, you know, once you've got your shooting club where you are, obviously there will be a guy holding a timer at some point during your, you know, when, when you start your first club shoots and things, there will be a guy that's holding the timing device and he should know at least the rudimentaries of, of who to contact. It is uh, a very simple matter. You go onto the SAPSA website, you can download an application form to register as a trainee range officer. You fill that in, you send it to, through your club, you send it to the provincial board member, the, the RO board member. Mm-hmm. He will then register you and you can function as a as a trainee for X amount of time, whatever fits your schedule. Mm-hmm. And then if you feel like it, you can pro- then progress to higher levels. You can go to a qualified RO after that, a chief RO, range master. You can become an international RO. Uh, Those are the, the Madonnas in pajamas with the, yes. the hockey jerseys, in case you're wondering. And uh, most of those documents you'll find on the SAPS website. Uh, you're welcome to contact uh, on the SAPS website as well under the committee side of things. You'll see the, the Sirenite committee. You're welcome to contact me if you don't have my contact details already. Or the admin office or any one of the SARA officials to get more information about who you can contact locally to get in, involved in this kind of thing. And I think from my side, I would love to see a lot of our shooters getting more involved with the rules, not necessarily as a range officer, but if you look at all the other sport types in the world, rugby or football or anything, the competitors know the rules. They know when they break the rules. They know when, you know, they, they know where to bend it and where to play it. And in sports shooting, it seems like we have an issue where the competitors don't really know the rules. They know some of the rules, some of the time. And the rest of it, it's kind of a, they stand around in a, in a, in a group and kind of discuss what they think the rules should be instead of just looking at what the rules say. So for shooters, I think it's of utmost importance to get to know the, the rules of the sport you are playing and to find out exactly where you have grace to do the things you want to do, to push the limits, you have to know what the limits are. So even if you do not want to be a range officer, I would highly recommend at least uh, having a few beers with one and chatting about, you know, where they get the information from and, and uh, maybe, you know, go from there, that sort of thing. But what you're saying is please buy the range officer's beers. <laughs> yeah, some of them. The other one, 
watched by Rumpel. Uh, <laughs> that's the secret. Those are the Gaz type borrows because Gaz is also into Rum. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I know Gaz is a soft point of cinnamon at the moment. So, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll just push there where it's, uh, yeah. Then you can basically, you know, you can get him to roll over, scratch his tummy, all of it. <laughs> uh, I'm very uncomfortable now. If you want to see more of that, come join us Saturday at Victor. <laughs> um, no, when you're listening to this, it's last week Saturday. Yeah, so if we catch you there, we know you're time traveling and we will report you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you report people to you for time traveling? I don't know, but that's what the lottery is for. The lottery is just a trap to catch time travelers. That's all it is. No, you, no, you, yeah, you get them on the watch list. Cool stuff. Is there anything that we, uh, we, we were supposed to have spoken about about the PCC nationals, etc., that we haven't spoken about? Is there anything you guys want to still mention? Lasers and ear tech reticles of the future. Okay, Terry has. Derek has weighed in on PCC optics. Uh, Allison have a new interesting thing coming that uh, we need to take a closer look at. Mm. So if anyone feels like sending us three samples to test. Yeah, four. please do. Sorry, for four, one for the King of the RS, make sure it's legal. Yeah, we need to make sure it's uh, it's match legal because, um, you know, even though everything's legal and open, it still needs to be you know, thoroughly vetted. Um, that's the way of the world. Uh, Gone. Anything else from your side? No, I think from my side, I'm just, uh, I'm just so happy we had a great match and everybody enjoyed it from the officials down. Um, I'm pretty sure that the uh, range maintenance didn't enjoy it that much, although we didn't have a lot of breakages. But uh, I'm just so happy we had a really, really good level three, and a lot of people are going to look at the next level three and hope for more of the same. And hopefully this will cause a, a kind of roll-on effect when we get the quality that our shooters want and need. And we become a bit more client-orientated where we look after the people because they are the sport, you know, and it's it's uh, we need to help them to get what they want. And at the what end of the really, day, really want. exactly. And I, and I think that's exactly what they need, you know. It's uh, a... <laughs> You know, ROs, we are important to improve consistency in a match and to, you know, make the match more enjoyable. And I can almost guarantee if you ask Tarek right now which ROs worked on which stages, he wouldn't be able to tell you. Because the ROs were consistent enough that they kind of flowed into the background. Everybody will remember my dad because of his funny, you know, briefing thing. Uh, but they wouldn't be able to on which stage he was. Because the ROs were so consistent that they kind of just faded into the background. And the only conversations we're getting are, how was that stage? How was that shot? How was that stage? And that's what we need to aim for. We need to have our range officers basically as range equipment in the background. Because they are so consistent that you don't know the difference between one and the other. Do I get a reshoot for that kind of range failure? Absolutely. And can we lock them in the containers between matches? If they break, yes. That's what we need to aim for. We need to aim for happy clients. At the end of the day, that's that's what keeps the sport going. Also, if, I think if shooters uh, are well, if shooters are walking away from matches going, fuck, that was awesome. 
I want to do more of that, more people will buy PCCs because if, if a dude comes to you and he goes, that was a fucking terrible match. I hated that. You're less likely to want to shoot that, that discipline. But if they come back and they go, fuck, they're doing cool stuff. This is super enjoyable. I want to do more of it. More people are going to bite the bullet, as it were, and get involved in it, which is fantastic. And, and, and a note on that, and this is going to sound a little bit illogical, but um, if we exclude the shooting side, because that, that, that's a whole other beast, but if we exclude the shooting side, I can almost guarantee you will have more fun at a PCC, a shotgun, or a rifle match than you will at a handgun match. Um, just from a, a competitive point of view, uh, um, generally the ROs are a little bit more chilled. Um, you know, just the guys who shoot PCC and shotgun are, and, and even rifle are generally better humans. Um, but you will probably have more fun. So give it a go. Um, even if you shoot a, a, a Roni and a Fend Corner, um, it's fine. I don't mind. Um, I'm not offended by it. It's just, <laughs> it created a lot of like friction between people who were like, is this a PC? Is this not PCC? I'm just fucking with you. Um, I know. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a really nice bunch of guys. So, you know, give it a go. Cool stuff. Mr. Evans. Yeah, boy. You want to uh, lead us out? Yeah, of course. Um, Johan, thanks very much for joining us. We appreciate having you on the show. Um, and then for all of our supporters, listeners, concerned citizens, thank you very much for all your support. Um, as mentioned earlier, there'll be a new draw by the time you've listened to the beginning of the show, and then you can hear it again now. Um, other than that, um, please make sure that you're getting involved and interacting on the Facebook group. Um, Send us ideas on topics. If you've got questions, send them through. We'll try and cover them for you. Um, and then obviously, please subscribe, like, share. And then if you want to be a club member, a minimum of five stars, please. Later, losers.